I bought it for 165 and they got it reappraised at 235. And that's just unheard of, especially up here. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Graham Mink. Hi, Graham. Hi, Joe. How's it going? It's going well. Graham is joining us from Stowe, Vermont, and he has got a background that is quite interesting. He played professional hockey for 13 years, and uh, he's even played for the Washington Capitals for our DC Best Ever listeners. And he has he retired in 2014, and now he's a full-time real estate investor primarily focused on buy and holds. He owns and manages 28 units and he has 20 more units under contract and it's scheduled to close around July 4th. So with that being said, Graham, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Um, I grew up here in Stowe, Vermont. I lived here, graduated high school, uh, went to the University of Vermont, played hockey there, and then uh, was fortunate enough to be able to play uh, professionally had an opportunity to do that um, after UVM. So did that for 13 years um, and uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I moved uh, 27 times over 13 years, which if anyone moves often, they can. it's not fun. It's something that it's probably the worst part about the job, honestly. You never really get roots down. You're always kind of bouncing around. And when you're 21, 22 it's, and everything fits in the back of your back of your car. It's not that big a deal. But when, you know, I'm, I'm 36 now and, you know, I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old and, you know, my wife as well, it was, uh, it got challenging towards the end. So was really, uh, looking forward to retirement. Hockey was very good to me. I met a lot of great people, uh, a lot of good coaches, fans and, and teammates and, uh, Really good, really good experience for me, but uh, also uh, got exposed to a lot of places and decided that I wanted to make my home up here in Vermont and uh, settled down and, and raised my my kids in the same place that I grew up and um, started real estate investing uh, when I was 24 years old. I got, uh, I bought a three unit building um, up here in Vermont and kind of lived in one unit, rented the other two. And, you know, it was one of those people that was, you know, didn't really have a direction, didn't know what I was going to do. I always stuck with hockey because it was, it was there. I was good at it. Uh, I had the opportunity and never really knew what kind of career I was going to fall into. And, um, that's exactly what happened with real estate. And, uh, I still own that property that I bought, uh, 10 years ago. And, um, just recently starting to acquire more units now. And I've got my hands full with that as I'm trying to scale my business now that I'm in, uh, 
one place permanently. How did you know how at 24, I mean, for me, that's an early age, but for others, it might not be. But for me, so I'm going to ask it from my perspective. How did you know to do that at an early age, especially whenever I believe you were bouncing around, right, from city to city? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was with hockey, you're, you've got a contract and, and you sign a place, but you live in you know, this, the playing city for about seven months and then you've got five months to live wherever you want. And, um, you know, being younger, I, you know, come back to Vermont and live here in the summer times, like rent an apartment. And, you know, essentially I got, you know, started by default, you know, I kind of got lucky. I, I, you'll get, you get paid over six months during the hockey season and uh, you've got to make that money last for 12 months, which, you know, isn't always easy if you're 22 years old. So, and you're not making a lot, you know, I was making 30, I think my first year I made $35,000. So, you know, the end of the summer comes around and things are pretty lean, you know, you're, uh, <laughs> you're not eating uh, steak dinner every night, um, so to speak. So one particular summer when I was 24, I just got kind of sick of it. I was, I, you know, kind of looked at my finances and I didn't have anything. I was like, why, you know, I'm working, I'm, I'm busting my butt, I'm making some decent money. And, you know, why don't I have any assets? Why don't I have anything? And I was complaining to my dad one day and he said, well, why don't you buy a, why don't you buy a multifamily unit, buy a, buy a place you can live in one of the apartments and rent the other two. And I, I'd never really thought of it. And my dad's not a real estate investor by any means. He's a, he owns a Stowe Insurance in Stowe, Vermont, the insurance agency. He's been here for 35 years. And um, I thought, sure, I'll give it a try. So we went and looked at a place. And this was in 2004, right when the, the market was just about to take off and um, bought a place up here and uh, got, you know, really low down mortgage and ended up, it ended up just kind of just introducing me to real estate and finding tenants and what it was all about. And um, I went to refinance that property eight months later and uh, it had appreciated $70,000. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I put appreciated in, in quotes because, you know, really the market was nuts. It's still not worth it. I bought it for 165 and they got it reappraised at 235. And that's just unheard of, especially up here. Um, but a light bulb, it turned the light bulb switch on my head was, wow, I didn't really do anything. And I made $70,000. Um, this is something I might get interested in. And the more I learned about it, the more I uh, liked it. And it just kind of meshes very well with my personality and, and what I'm looking to do. You went from the three unit and then how did you progress from there? I learned a lot. I, I mean, the real estate world is so large. There's so many different ways to make money and things to do. Uh, I was like a kid in the candy store. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I ended up studying and getting my real estate license just so I, I couldn't find an agent that understood what I was after. You know, every agent up here just wants to sell you your house and you know, that's where they make their money and that they're attuned to. So I got fed up with dealing with bugging agents to show me properties and, and talk to me about this stuff. So I got my own license myself. So I had access to the MLS cause it seemed like the really good deals were gone before, um, really, you know, within the first week that they were on the MLS. So, um, I got there, I got that and, uh, I decided I wanted to try developing and I bought a, uh, I bought a house up here with 27 acres and I did an eight lot subdivision and, uh, I bought it in 2005. And by the time I had got it all permitted, it, uh, the market had crashed. So it didn't end up working out too well for me. I still own some of the land uh, today, uh, managed to, to make it through, you know, without, uh, without losing too much, but I'm certainly not going to make any money off that deal. And it was, uh, it was a learning experience for me. 
Um, and you know, that's, was kind of, that was my second deal. And then I started looking more towards, oh, maybe, you know, raw land is great if you can sell it cheap and uh, buy it cheap and sell it fast. But, uh, if you can't, then, you know, there's not a lot of ways to make money off of it. So I started looking for more, uh, you know, real estate that has, you know, a rentable attribute to it, some cash flow. So you've got, we, we started with three units and now you're at 28. Yep. And you have 20 more under contract. Well, we'll put the 20 more under contract aside for a second. How did you get the remaining 25 units that you have now? Is one of those that single family home on the, the lot of, lot of acreage? No, I sold that. Thank God. Or that would have took me under. <laughs> <laughs> You'd still be playing hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I would have, yeah, it would have been trouble if I didn't sell that, but I ended up buying another house and selling some land and then, you know, kind of, like I said, bounced around. I bought, I, I built a primary residence for myself. Um, and then I bought a, in 2012, I bought a commercial building and that needed, it was 10,000 square feet, which is big for a commercial building up here. It was right in the center of town. Uh, spent two years renovating that. It had six commercial units, um, just about filled the place. Um, and someone offered to buy it from me after I got done. So that gave me a little infusion of cash. And this was last summer that this happened. So uh, I had the, I was up to 10 units because I had the three plus the uh, single family house that I rented along with the six commercial units. And I sold those six. So I was down to four last spring. So I've bought 24 units in the last 12 months and I've got 20 more under contract in the next two months. And, uh, you know, it's been a whirlwind really since I retired. Um, you know, it's pretty much full-time family and, and real estate at this point. This is interesting because you've done a lot of different things in, in your career with a commercial building to buying a house with 20 plus acres to, you know, single building your own. How are you learning each of these different areas? Because any of them, if you focus on any of them could be a career. So one is how are you learning each of them? And two, why are you doing the different approaches and why not doing one? Right. Well, it's it's been a learning process. I mean, I'm learning by doing. I, I You try to use the internet as much as you can and you, I try to use the resources um, of other people that have done this before, but um, when I, you know, when I started this, when I was 25, 26, 27, it, I just, I just jumped into it. I, I just went for it. Really. I, I, um, looked at the numbers. I tried to figure things out and, and bumbled and stumbled my way through my first few deals. And I, I learned a lot like that first development deal, not my first three unit, which is the best thing <laughs> I bought. And I should have just bought, and I've actually come full circle and I'm back to that now. Um, this development stuff, um, you know, I learned a lot with that deal and it's, uh, it was a lot, it's going to end up being a lot cheaper than a college education about now I'm looking like it's costing me a college education, but, um, I hope to do more of that in the future, uh, the right way, so to speak, so that, uh, I'm a little less, uh, exposed to, to risk and to market conditions. Um, but you know, after I'd done the development, I built my own house, you know, I, I didn't physically build my own house. My best friend's a contractor here. So I, I found the land through my real estate practice and I, I, I worked with him to, to contract it out. And, um, I kind of bumbled and stumbled my way through. And, and then a couple of years ago with the commercial building, I, I said, you know, I got to get back to, to finding properties that cash flow. And that one in particular 
I, I got it for really cheap. The, the gentleman that owned it, owned it for a long time. Uh, he was ill. He, he wanted to sell to get every, his estate settled. Um, so I bought that and I put a lot of work into it. And I kind of, again, you know, found subcontractors and, you know, I, I did better with that one as far as, as, uh, the renovations and the, and the timeline. And then it, when it sold unexpectedly, it gave me a clean slate. Really, I paid off a bunch of debt that I'd incurred to do the renovations, um, to do the other stuff that I'd done and gave me some some capital to reinvest. And then I said, okay, at this point, you know, I'm 35 years old, you know, much better educated. I, you know, I, I discovered, you know, some, a lot of online resources, listened to a lot of, you know, podcasts and, and information that's out there. And I, I wanted to focus primarily on, on building up my base of getting um, you know, these small multifamilies like I had bought 10 years ago, you know, I thought, man, this is making me 10, $12,000 a year. Um, what if I had 10 of these, you know, <laughs> you know, so that's, uh, what my goal was. And, and, you know, the properties I just bought, you know, they don't perform as well as the one I bought 10 years ago, but you know, over time I'm going to, I'm going to get there. And then my base is taken care of. I can either continue with the buy and hold strategy, or I can start, you know, maybe jump back into the development side of things and, and do things a little smarter this time. How are you acquiring the properties right now? Uh, mostly through owner financing. I The new ones that I have under contract, I'm going to be working with a local lender uh, who's uh, who's agreed to, now that I've got some units and I've got you know some experience established, I'm starting to build a rapport. The banks are, are trusting me a lot more than they were you know five years ago. So um, they're willing to do like a, a 75% uh, first mortgage. And then I have the seller carry a second mortgage and then I of 20% and I can provide a 5% down uh, payment. But in the cases where I can get hundred percent owner finance or 90% owner financing with a 10% down, that's what I try to try to pick uh, and, and find properties like that where, uh, you know, just tired landlords, people that have three, four, five, six units that have owned it for 20 plus years. And they're getting near retirement age and they don't want to, they don't want to manage tenants and toilets anymore. So, um, you know, we, we work a win-win deal for both of us. How do you find those tired landlords? Research, town records, public information readily available. I don't, you know, in Vermont, you can go to any, any town in Vermont and get the grand list, which tells you every property owner and every piece of property in town. So, you know, you can look that way. Uh, word of mouth also. It's, it's funny now I bought, about five properties in a town last year. And, and, uh, it kind of, it's a small town, you know, there's only 6,000 people that live there. So word gets around pretty quick. And I've actually, the last, uh, last two months I've had, I've been contacted three or four times by people looking to sell their properties, um, to me directly, you know, rather than go to a realtor to make a call, they, they're calling me first to see if we can work a deal. And that's actually, that's been nice <laughs> to have them, uh, come find you and, and work that way. Uh, cause you know, you know, not, that doesn't always happen. The deal hasn't always gone through, but you, you know, they're motivated and, and, uh, you know, that they're willing to work with you on the deal structure. You mentioned 75% with the bank, 20% owner carries and 5% you bring to the table. How do you initially propose that? Is it because what I've come across, perhaps I'm not speaking to the right people, but what I've come across is they want a certain price or they want they they want something but typically this type of structure isn't what's initially on the mind of a seller. They're like just do it, give me all cash or just let's make this easy. I don't want to mess with any of this creative stuff. So do you go in and say 
this is what I'll offer you if we do traditional way, but if you want to get creative, then here's the revised offer or how do you approach that? Well, I, I try to find people that don't have a mortgage or have a very small mortgage if they do have one at all. And that makes things a lot easier. Uh, I'm also purchasing small multifamily properties, like three, four, five units. So I, I find like single family homes, you know, my area, even duplexes, they don't have enough cash flow to justify the the purchase price. And, and also I feel sellers of those types of properties need the money to go buy something else or do something else. I'm, I'm looking for investment properties without mortgages for someone that's, that's savvy and gets, you know, would like to continue, you know, they're making so much X amount per month on the property. Now, um, I try to structure the deal to give them almost that much money moving forward, but with a loan and they don't have to own the property and manage the tenants anymore. And then, you know, I think the biggest, the biggest tool that I have is I don't, I don't ask for 30 years of financing or 20 years of financing. I propose a loan that has an amortization of 30 years with a, with a low interest rate, but has a balloon payment, um, anywhere from four to seven years out. And I think people that I'm speaking with are willing to wait, you know, four to seven years until I can refinance to pay them off. Um, it works well with their retirement timeline, a lot of them. Um, and also they, you know, they're willing to wait. People will wait a little while. They, they won't wait forever. Um, you know, when you propose something to someone who's 60 years old and you propose a 20 year note, you know, they don't want to wait till they're 80 to get all the money. They might, you know, in their mind, they might not think they're going to make it to 80. So you, you just, you try to, I've tried to adjust the time frame in, in my proposals and you know, I, I basically, I, I tell them like, if I have to go through conventional financing, I'm probably not going to be able to buy your building. I'm not going to have the 25% down plus the renovation costs that it's going to need or X, Y, and Z. So, you know, it almost gets to be a non, non-starter at that point. I, I can't really offer two prices just because, you know, I look at cash on cash return. I want to maximize that as much as possible. And, you know, I need some creativity in order to get the numbers that I, I am comfortable with. When you're you're looking at the seller financing, you mentioned the four to seven year bloom payment and five percent down payment. How do you know? Do you start with that structure or do you start with zero percent down? I'm getting towards that. I haven't made a deal like that yet. I'm trying to test the waters and, and uh, I feel as I get more of a reputation as someone that can close deals, as someone that's going to do what I say I'm going to do, I will be able to approach that. The 100% I find is tough because the sellers that I'm dealing with, they don't want to put any more money into the property. They don't, they don't want to pay for their closing costs. They don't want to pay for X, Y, and Z. So I'd love to get that 100%, but also I don't want to be greedy and I want to, I want to make it make it work for both sides. I, I want them to, to feel like they have a victory too. So, um, you know, I, I think that usually my owner finances when it's, when there's no bank involved at all, it's a 10% down, down payment. Um, and when you're getting the, you know, if you close the beginning of the month, you get prorated rents. If they're holding last months and security deposits, you're getting those back. That 10% is more like three or 4%, um, out of, of cash out of my pocket. And I, I can certainly live with that. Um, this deal that's the 5%, this is my first deal that I've actually, that I'm combining the owner financing with the, with the bank financing. And I, I hope to structure most of my deals this way moving forward where it's a 75 and then a 20% seller carry and then a 5% down. If I can do that, 
this way, then you know I'm pretty close to nothing down um, buying investment properties, and that's uh, that's the goal at this point. To while I'm in acquisition mode, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Get started, get going. I mean, it it'll vary. My advice, I guess, varies depending on your experience level and your and who's listening. Um, but I can always I always think you can take the next step. You know, you can make one more step. You can make progress. Um, what did you do today to get yourself closer to whatever your goals are? And and that's really advice for anything. It doesn't necessarily need to be real estate investing. One of the benefits of playing a professional sport is you learn to set goals and you learn to make incremental, you know, daily lifestyle choices that lead you either closer or further away to what you're trying to accomplish. And, um, it's very difficult if you don't take a day-to-day approach playing professional sports because you'll just drive yourself crazy. So I've taken some of that that I've learned um, into the rest of the areas of my life. And, and particularly with real estate investing, you got to you keep the whole big picture in mind, but but you got to work on the day-to-day stuff. You got to make one step closer, take one step closer. Um, that's the best advice I can kind of, best general advice I can give to anybody who's either in the field or or would like to get in the field, you know, what's the, what's going to get you the next, what's going to get you that one step closer to, to realizing your dreams and your goals. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? No, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) I do not believe somebody who's played professional hockey. I do not believe that this is scary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, okay. Well, go ahead. Fire, fire, Joe. I'm ready. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors crowdfunding. You've heard about it and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Are you looking for a step-by-step guide to starting your flipping career and successfully tackling your first flip project? If so, head to Amazon.com and pick up the best-selling book, The Book on Flipping Houses by professional house flipper Jay Scott. That's The Book on Flipping Houses by Jay Scott. He's a fellow best-ever guest, and he's an active best-ever listener. Check out his book, The Book on Flipping Houses. All right, Graham, and thanks for pausing with me on the best-ever sponsors. As a former professional hockey player, I know you know the importance of having sponsors, right? <laughs> you got to pay the bills, Joe. got to pay the bills. All right, best-ever book you've read? Um, Best-ever book I've read. I Landlording on Autopilot is, is very good for my property management company. Um, but uh, the uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is a difficult read, but a, a a worth it read. You got to read it two or three times. Understand that book and believe in that book and it's going to work for you. And it has for me. I read it four years ago and uh, it's really, really helped to uh, get my mindset. Have you read Three Feet from Gold? I have not. You'd like it a lot. It's from the Napoleon Hill Foundation and it has a lot of the insights from Think and Grow Rich, but in a, a different type of story format. I'm going to try that. I'm going to read. That's my next book, Joe. Thank you. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. I wish I knew this was coming. I've had a lot of personal growth experiences <laughs> that I've learned a lot from. So to choose one, um, and I'm going to answer from a real estate perspective. My my second deal is probably the one I've learned the most from. 
Um, I have a tendency to, to, to go for it and to be, uh, you know, to, to not research and, and look into things as much as I should. And that experience of me buying that land and, and going for it, I learned a tremendous amount. I'm still glad that I did it, uh, but it has taught me so much about what not to do and what to do that I've, I've really, it's helped shape me as a, as a real estate investor uh, a lot. But I, again, that's coming off the cuff. There's a lot of personal growth experiences where I have learned a lot. What are the numbers, not to pour salt in the wound, because I don't want this to be painful for you, but just, just to just to kind of crystallize it in my mind and in the best ever listeners mind, what are what are some of the numbers around that property, the second purchase? I bought it for three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, a house of twenty seven acres. And if you live anywhere but rural America, you're gonna think, Wow, that what a deal. And uh, I uh, I got eight building lots. I got seven building lots and the house on a on a lot. And I, I sold the house for two oh five. So um, I had 115 to make up. Um, I put another 100,000 into the permitting and engineering and road and utilities, and uh, so I'm like over 200,000 in. And of the seven lots, I still have four of them left. So, and I'm uh, what I initially thought I was going to sell for 60,000 a piece or 55,000. Um, I'm I'm asking 35,000 right now for a lot. So you can do the numbers on that. It's going to be a stretch to to get back to even on that. And and so it, it's I'm going to lose on that. I'm still, you know, I'm still afloat. I didn't have to, you know, get in trouble financially. I, I managed to, you know, the way I look, I've, I don't have a brand new car and, and I don't have a car payment with it. So um, and when I was younger, I just kind of that was my punishment for uh for having it that uh, instead of paying 500 bucks for a car payment, you're gonna have to pay 500 bucks for a loan payment. And that's just the way it is. So <laughs> that's, it's not too painful, but again, it's, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to, you know, get close to breaking even and, uh, and move on from that. Yeah. Because the, even if you, you lose money, as you said, the education that's involved in it and, and, it really, we, we can't trivialize the education and the experience that was involved with this because number one, um, it's everything you learn, but number two, it's the story that you have to tell to others and as, as they learn from your experience and any, anytime you talk to someone, if they say they haven't made a mistake or haven't had a deal they would do differently in real estate, they, they are either not being truthful in my opinion or they haven't been in the industry long enough. You know, absolutely, and and that that deal definitely taught me a lot. And uh, and would I repeat that? No. But a lot of people, when the market crashed, had to file bankruptcy, lost, were highly leveraged. There was a lot of problems. I was fortunate enough that that didn't happen to me. And and also, it taught me how much I loved real estate because to have something like that would sour a lot of people and put a bad taste in their mouth and make them never want to invest in real estate again. But for me, it was just, you know, this was a stepping stone. This is a learning experience. Get the most out of it you can um, and and do it better next time. It, it strengthened my resolve, um, so to speak. And I think if you, you take failure as a, as progress, then you're, uh, you're better off than taking failure as failure and, and beating yourself up too much about it. Best ever success habit you practice. Wake up early in the morning and uh, and try to accomplish something the first couple hours of the day. I, I think you're at the best when you first wake up, 
Um, this is one that I've, you know, trying to develop more recently. The hockey lifestyle is, you know, you're playing hockey games from seven to 10 at night. Then you got to go eat and it takes you a little while to wind down. If anyone's seen a hockey game, they know how emotional it is. Uh, so a lot of my winters are spent sleeping in and, and by the time my summers, I got back to waking up early again, it was, it was time to go play hockey again. So for the last year, I've really focused on getting up early and trying to accomplish some, the most important thing of the day within the first two or three hours and then whatever you can get done with the rest of it, uh, you know, is good too. So that's a, that's something I practice that, uh, I'd like to continue to improve. Best ever deal you've done. That would be the, the 10,000 square foot commercial deal. Um, it, uh, kind of fell in my lap. Uh, <laughs> and I, I made, a, I made, a, it was, it ended up being a commercial flip really, uh, two years in the running. I did a lot of work myself in the building. You know, I tore out, we took 10, uh, 12, large dumpsters you know 30 yard dumpsters of garbage out of the building and and plaster and lath and i did a lot of it me and one of my friends with a wheelbarrow so it was uh, that was one summer and uh, but it paid off in the end i i ended up uh, doing very well and that that property really has enabled has really skyrocketed me into being able to do and focus on what i want to do which is the buy and hold multifamilies Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I'm buying uh, a barn with, uh, it's got three residential units. Funny because it's Vermont. So, but uh, there's this large barn that has 10,000 square feet of like basically unused space. I mean, there were, there were cows in this barn 25 years ago and now it's not being used for anything. But there's a three unit building attached to the barn and uh, I'm buying it based upon the, the three unit rentals and I've got all this extra space. Um, that I'd like to uh, I'd like to convert into uh, into storage units, um, and I'm I'm excited about that right now. I, I've been trying to you know wanting to get into self storage. I, I I think it's a simplistic form of what I'm doing now with the residential. Uh, the laws in our state are a lot more favorable to storage unit uh, management, and uh, I'm excited about that right now. But I'm also excited about the other uh, 15 units that I'm buying. Um, it's going to enable me to. To hire somebody to help me with this stuff and to and to really uh, hopefully continue to grow. Best ever way you like to give back? I'm actually today I'm coaching uh, my son's t-ball um, team, which is <laughs> my son's five years old, and anyone who's tried to teach a group of 25 year olds to do anything, uh, it's it, you're certainly giving back. It's it's very <laughs> rewarding to me to watch the kids interact and grow, and it. Uh, I don't, I don't know how teachers do it all day, every day, you know, thank, thank a teacher because my goodness, especially elementary school, it's uh, it's very difficult, but, um, you know, right now I'm really enjoying, uh, you know, teaching my son and his, you know, peers how to, how to play hockey, how to play baseball and, and just, uh, have fun with that. Best ever quote. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Good luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I like that quote. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? And we might have covered it. Yeah. No, actually, I think the biggest mistake I made was not starting soon enough. Um, I, 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 24 is young. I, I wish I bought something earlier uh, than that. Even a few years would have made a huge difference from where the market was. And, and an extension of that is I wish I had bought, stuck with the small multifamilies from 10 years ago. Um, cause I, I'd be in a lot better position now, arguably, but who knows? I mean, the, 
the past is what it is and, and it enables you to be where you are today. So I don't want to wish change too much because I'm, I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. But, um, you know, my biggest mistake might have been, uh, you know, not sticking with uh, small multifamily from the start. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you, Graham? I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, LinkedIn. Um, I'm on, uh, those are probably my best, but at, uh, at Graham Mink 21 is my Twitter. Um, and then Facebook, I'm Graham Mink. There's another, there's another Graham Mink out there, I think in Michigan somewhere. But you're holding a hockey stick. So everyone will recognize you. Yeah. Not in my Facebook. I'm, I'm not on. What? <laughs> but LinkedIn, I'm on there and, and, uh, probably be the best, best place to, to reach me. There's, there's a uh, muscle on bigger pockets, um, as well, the real estate website. Well, Graham, this has been a wonderfully enlightening conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being on the Best Ever Show and sharing your best ever advice with the Best Ever listeners and talking about your background and how it, how your background in hockey, really, you applied the things that you've learned in hockey and into real estate. And some of the things I was writing down as you were talking is you have experience in a lot of different areas of real estate and then you threw another one out there kind of you know kind of like in passing whenever you said you're buying a barn and and you're going to convert that into storage units i mean i've had i've had guests come on and say they they're buying storage units i've had guests say they're buying even a a school but i've never had anyone buy a barn And so, so we're all we're always shattering records and breaking paradigms here on the best ever show, and you certainly did that. And also, you know, talking about from a tactical standpoint, the deal structure that you do and you look for for deals: a seventy-five percent conventional mortgage, twenty percent carry, amortize it over thirty years with a balloon payment four to seven years, and a five percent down payment. And then also, you know, trying to find people who are tired landlords you can find them in vermont at least through the town records where it has every owner of every piece of property and then also finding properties that have very small mortgages on them or no mortgages on them at all i think those are very practical tips that best ever guests or best ever listeners can take from this conversation and then your mentality that is very clear throughout our conversation of you just get in there and then you learn by doing and sometimes that, that bites you, but most of the time with the persistence that you have and your goal of what did I do today that got me closer to my goal, taking a day-by-day approach, you're going to turn out on the right side of things more often than not. And I love that mentality. I love how you got into the specifics of the deal that didn't go well because everybody can learn from it, not, not only yourself, but everybody involved who's hearing the show and all the deals that have gone well and that will go well in the future. And I wish you the best of luck. So thank you so much again, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Best of luck to you and all the listeners. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 